And so I wouldn't work in those months and I would just cold call and cold email companies during those months in prep for the rest of the year. And so I would cold email like big brands, whether it be, you know, Saucony or um, like Lifewater or like all these like brands that I've worked with, uh, Conrad Hotels downtown. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Super More Bros podcast, hosted by your favorite brother duo, I'm Mitch. And I'm Matt, where each week we bring you a dope guest or equip you with the skills to live life at the highest level. Welcome back to another episode of the Super More Bros podcast. Today, we have one of my favorite guys, my IT guy. The guy behind the Elevate logo, you may not know him from Twitter, but you at least know him from my Twitter because he made my logo. What is up, Grizz? What's going on, guys? How are you? Doing great. Yourself? Doing wonderful. Just another Wednesday, I think. I don't know what day it is. No idea. But yeah. That's the, the good thing about entrepreneurship, man. The days just run together. They're all the same. <laughs> Love Same it. stuff, new tasks. So, dude, the first thing I want to dive into is how we got connected, how we came up with this logo, that whole story, because um, it was an amazing story for me, at least on my end. You know, so somebody tweeted that they wanted to promote designers. I don't know, some some famous guy or somebody with a lot of followers. He tweeted, "Hey, I want to promote designers. Drop your work below." And you dropped your work below. It's currently your pinned tweet. And Mitch saw it and he DM'd it to me and he's like, Hey, I know you're looking for a logo or whatever. He was like, you may want to reach out to this guy. It looks like he's local to Indy. So eventually, you know, I built up the courage to reach out, sent you a DM and we connected and I was like, Hey, I'm looking for a logo. Like, here's what I do. Here's what I want. And I was broke at the time, no money whatsoever. And obviously, you know, you're a professional in the space. You charge a very, very high price. And um, you were just like, you know what, man, I, I'll meet you wherever you're at, like name a price point, and we'll uh, make this logo and get it done for you. So I'm just curious, man, like what was your perspective around that whole interaction of me shooting you the DM, you being willing to just meet me wherever I was price point wise? What was that like for you? Oh, man, uh, it's crazy. I'm a I'm a, it's funny, like people think I'm an entrepreneur or like a photographer or something, but I'm actually like a full-time creative director at an ad agency, downtown Indy. Um, I just do everything else on the side, photography, social media, consulting, whatever it is. Um, so it's whenever I do like logos or things, I'm super selective in what I do. Um, I have the freedom to choose what I want to do. My job is very flexible. It's always been that way for the last 15 plus years I've worked professionally. So like taking on jobs, I'm super selective. And like, I think I knew you or both of you guys through a couple other uh, people that through the community or through indie or whatever it was. And so I have no problem working with people I know, people, friends. And like, I knew how positive you guys were on social and it was always fun to see that. And I have zero problem helping people out with logos and branding and stuff, especially smaller creators or people that are up on the stuff upstart because Honestly, it's a fun exercise in me just building a logo quickly. 
uh, efficiently and like coming up with a fun idea. Usually I have a ton of freedom with it. I'm not working for some corporate conglomerate. I'm not working for some brand or board of directors, or it was just working with that. Um, and you came highly recommended. I think it was, might've been Andrew Smith that connected us. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. He went, he used to live in Indy for a little bit, but he's moved around a few times, but, uh, he, um, big meathead. So I'm going to say that live on the podcast for sure. So make sure you clip that just for him. But, uh, yeah, he was a big inspiration for me in design and he may have connected me with you guys, but, uh, it's funny that just finding people that are like-minded that have that drive, that passion, it was just exciting to work with another person or like another client that like had that excitement and like motivation behind his own brand. And, it was just a blast to work with you. I mean, it was fun to see your passion for it. And that just drove my passion even further for it. So, um, yeah, doing it for, you know, zero dollars would have been perfectly fine, but it's just one of those things. It was just fun to go through the process, kind of do the things. And, uh, yeah, we came up with a nice little logo. I've seen plastered all over your social, which is awesome. <laughs> it's got to put it everywhere, man. I'm proud of this thing, but, um, it was an amazing experience for me as well. I remember just to take people through a little bit of what would happen. You were just like, send me like as many logos as you want that you're, you know, you're inspired by that you like. Um, doesn't matter what it is. Could be from a food company. It could be from sports team. Like, doesn't matter. Just send me logos that you like. And so I sent you a ton of stuff. I don't know, maybe a week went by and you got back with a bunch of logos and I was like, ah, like that, ah, not really, not really a fan of these. And then I remember I came up with like a crown or a lion. It may have been from Andrew Smith's work. And I came up with that and I was like, I, I'm thinking I want to tie a crown or a lion in, in some way. Um, and then next thing you know, you know, you got back to me really quick, crazy quick process and even sent me all the sketches. I thought that was really cool. You know, you had that book and I even saw you posted some of those on your Instagram, but you had that book and you were just sketching out M's left and right crowns left yeah. and right. Just trying to see how you can make it work. And then sent me over three really solid logos um, as the final kind of selection. And I was 50-50 on two of them. But this is the one that stuck right here. So it was just an amazing overall experience, man. It was incredible to see you work, get creative, and things that I would never even think of. Like, that's just not – you're just honestly the most creative guy I've ever met just from looking through your content, from the experiences of working with you. Like – I, I don't know how your brain even works that way, man. It's unreal to see. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a blast. I'm a, obviously a visual learner and a problem solver by day, if you will. So it's kind of, it's just one of those things that it just clicked early on in life. And I've wanted to do this since I was two, something like that. I've always wanted to do art, something creative. And it wasn't until super late in life, I realized like, oh, this is a career. I think it was like, maybe sophomore junior year in high school where i was like oh there's a career for this i was like i didn't know that i was like i was just gonna go to try to go to college in general studies and then slowly figure it out but i was like oh there's actually like a profession for what i love to do and here i am you know 15 years later and it's like this is incredible i get paid to do what i do and i work with unbelievable clients and friends that i work with and it's awesome so yeah, I just want to add on to that story from my perspective, um, you know, because he's communicating with me this whole time about, oh, do you like this logo? Like, here's what exactly what he said. Like, what should I say? Like, all this stuff. Um, that's just how we work together and, and help each other out. But um, 
you know, I just want to point out, I was talking to him before we even jumped on or before you joined us here about how I wanted to share this. I wanted him to specifically dive into this story first so that we could share your heart and your passion for this and your generosity through, you know, just you could easily turn away, you know, low paying clients or, you know, you are, you can be selective with who you want to work with. And, um, it was just very impressive to watch from the outside, uh, the heart and generosity that you had for, you know, working with, you know, someone who's on the come up, uh, like you said, and may not have the, the money to be able to pay for the level of service that you provide. So, um, I just want everyone listening to know that, you know, this guy is incredible and, uh, I, I have a lot of respect for you because of that. I appreciate that, man. That's yeah, that's awesome. I, I think like the biggest thing, that's a huge compliment for a, a creative, a designer, a, you know, um, and it's, it's fun because you as a creative, like, I think I came out of school in 08, 09 after the market crash. And so like, I remember my college professors being like, you will likely not any, like looking at our class and being like our graduating class being like, you will likely not get a job, let alone one in your field for a number of years after you graduate. And I was like, I was like, what a brutal kick to the throat. I was like, that is terrible to like go through that experience. And like, and you work so hard through high school and college to like find your drive and your passion for it. And you're like, man, I'm not going to make it out there. And I was lucky. I was um, able to find a job a few weeks before graduation um, and been working ever since. But it's one of those things where like I started out and like being in that low level, like beginner, like making 25 grand a year or whatever it was, $12 an hour, my first creative job um, that long ago. And it's, it's crazy. Like those people that reached out to me those first few years, or rather I reached out to them to ask for help or feedback. They could have been like the executives at a huge firm or like uh, the president or the creative director at a big ad agency in New York or Chicago. Those handful that reached back out to me and Andrew Smith is one of those guys that kind of reached out early on in my career and helped out. Um, there's a lot of other guys in, in, that I could list off. Um, but as mentors, as people that like just reached out, just that simple, hey, man, I love your work. I think you're doing great stuff. I love to see your passion. And like, I think that's one of the coolest thing. Those handful of people that reached back out and said something or made time to get coffee even or go grab dinner or drinks or whatever. Um, I think that's super, that was super powerful in my career and my path. Um, and I think it's just that, that empathy people have for one another and like how impactful it was on me. So I try to give back to smaller creators, like people that are just on the upcoming. I try not to look at a dollar amount. I make a few bucks. Awesome. I'll use it to fund, you know, the kids baseball gear for the year or like the, you know, building something for the house or something like that. Just giving it back to myself in some small way um, that has a little bit more purpose or meaning. And then it, it drives even more. Like every time I pass, whatever I spent that money on, I'm like, oh, I remember what I got that $200 for, or it was for that kid's logo. And I used it to benefit somebody else in my life. So it's, it's kind of fun to see how it's used. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've, I've had um, people in my path so far as well, you know, that are way out of my league, if you will, that have reached their hand out and, and helped pull me up. And so that's just incredible to hear. And I, I want to be in that position one day and in, in helping, you know, the people that come after me as well. So just good, good for you for, for being willing to do that. And um, I, I'm sure that he probably won't talk this way about Elevate at this point, because he's humble about it and whatnot. But 
that logo has now turned into a community of over 60 guys, a lot of young guys who, you know, are working to push themselves in various areas of life, whether it be, you know, fitness in their faith, you know, just in their relationships, becoming better fathers or leaders or starting their own businesses, like the amount of transformation that will come just out of, you know, that community and the logo that is associated with that is incredible. And, and uh, you know, I just want you to know that as well. So it's, it's early, but uh, that logo is going to be big, man. I love it. I love to see it. This logo changed my life, dude. Awesome. You responding to that DM, hooking me up with a deal, man, truly did change my life. Thank you. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I just went back and like flipped through the DMs on Twitter just now just to see the conversation and how it all started. It was so quick. It was like, it's not even more than, I mean, what, like maybe 20 messages back and forth, like total. And then we, like maybe if that, it was like five or six total. And then we started chatting on the phone and going back and forth with the logo process. But uh, it's crazy how quickly we just went from, hey man, I would love to, I can't do this range or whatever. Like, and I was like, just let me know whatever works for you. We'll make it happen. So I love it. Yeah. And for those of you listening that have seen, you know, my brother, his camera work and the pictures that he's taken, either of my seminar or of other people in the gym or whatever, that was also inspired by this guy here. Uh, so he, he actually sold my brother the camera and then helped, you know, show him how to use it and, and get him going. He came to IVB one day. Uh, worked out with us and, you know, went through the camera work together. So, um, yeah, you've just been such an impactful guy in, in his story and, you know, in both of our stories. So uh, we just appreciate that so much. Um, yeah, let's let's go back. I mean, you hinted at your story a little bit and, you know, what it looked like. You know, you sounded like you were very um, drawn to the creative work uh, early on in your life. So um, you said 16, 17 is when you realized you could have a career out of this. So, uh, let's just start there. And, you know, where, where did you decide to go from there? It sounds like you went to school, you know, what did that path look like for you? Uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that was an interesting thing. I knew like the, the whole term starving artist is not, uh, I mean, that's a real thing in the industry. Like that's, you don't make a lot of money in the industry unless you, you know, grind it out for a number of years. And it took me long enough. I, I never, saw like I saw the path of like uh, the agency world where it's you work for clients and you have a list of you know small clients large clients huge conglomerates nonprofits from startups to everything and you kind of just do branding work websites um, and so that was kind of always a goal to go into the agency world and that's always like a mindset for people that are creatives in design school is to go work for some big ad agency somewhere um, so when I found out that was like a path I could go down, uh, but it wasn't easy. It's not easy to get into an agency world. You have to like know somebody or you've interned there or you had an in or something, just like anything else. Um, having those connections and that networking, that just takes time. Like it just took me time. Like I, I networked all the way through college as much as I could. I'm a huge, I'm not a big extrovert. I'm more introverted than anything. So getting into those habits and like, going out to see people or meet with people for dinner or drinks. That was a mindful thing that I used in college and through my early professional career. Um, and just to kind of drive the business side of things and get my name out there, get my work shown. I think Twitter was like the first social network I kind of joined, I think outside of Facebook, um, where I would just share daily or weekly design projects that I was working on. Um, that 
is amazing. Like I look at social media as a tool. It's a tool for me to gain access to different people, share my work, get feedback, get the word out there, all that stuff. And it's no different than today. It's still a tool that I use and each one has their own purpose, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever. Um, but it's funny that like the professional path was like, I grinded it out right after college. I went to community college. Um, that was a mindful uh, decision because Ivy Tech is a tech college. You go for technical skills or trade skills or whatever, um, typically, or you transfer onto a four-year degree. Um, I just wanted to, I knew that I was creative in mindset and I always had been my whole life. So I knew I had that itch. I just wanted the technical skills or the programs, all the things I needed to know. Um, so I saw Ivy Tech as, I think I was like 15, 16,000 for my entire education for two and a half years I went there, three years I went there um, to get my degree. And so that was a just a simple mindset. Instead of spending $110,000 at, say, Art Institute of Indianapolis that is now shut down or going to IEPUI or IU or Purdue and spending tens of thousands or, you know, even close to $100,000 on an education is insane to me, um, especially coming out making $12 an hour. You're like, there's no, like, I knew that going into college. So I think more people are now aware of that, you know, 15 years later. Um, but back then it just felt obvious because money was always a, a tight thing or a thing around the household, like just being mindful. We didn't come from money or anything like that. My parents both work, you know, blue collar jobs. My dad's a truck driver. My mom runs a daycare out of home. So it's like, they just are hardworking people. So I think I got that mindset, but also the realist, uh, the realistic expectation of, Hey, you can go to college, you can pay this much, but you're only going to make this much coming out. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a wild ride, but, um, it's, I, I think that's like the hard thing about creatives. A lot of them want to go to these big art schools and then jump to the big cities. So, um, but I don't think they realize how much grind and effort it goes into it after you get out there into the wild. Uh, once you get into the wild. So. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It sounds like networking was your main tool to kind of, um, you know, exponentially grow in your career and, and uh, get to where you are today. So, and we absolutely agree, agree with that in our stories. I mean, here we are today sitting, you know, across the, the mic or the camera from you, just from, from networking and, and him reaching out. Um, so what did it look like? You know, how did you do that networking? Did you just uh, message people on social media? Were you sending emails? Like, you know, we do have a lot of young guys that are listening who maybe are in college or they're, um, you know, fresh out of just out of college um, around that age and they want to get into business or they just want to grow in, in whatever their path is. So how do you recommend going about networking with people above? Yeah, that's that's one of the hardest things. I think networking is it's it's hard for a young adult to network, especially when you're reaching out to people that are 10, 15, 20, 25 plus years older than you and they work in an industry that's just as fast paced and people are busy. Um, but I think, yeah, like early on, it was just email, like just getting an email from somebody, um, or a lot of people were very accessible back in the day. And I feel like they're even more accessible now with social. Um, but back then, like most everybody reads their emails. Like, it's not like, it's not a difficult thing to like catch an email. I, I think I sent, um, almost, I think an email to almost every single top exec or person at like every agency in Indianapolis. I did some in New York and Chicago when I was in college just to get feedback from my portfolio a year before graduation. 
Um, and I started like a portfolio class and all that, but like that networking thing and just getting an email back, it may not have happened every time, but it was like 10, 20% of the time somebody would email back. Um, and that would start a conversation. The local ones would meet up with me or have me come into their offices and chat and said, Hey, come back when you graduate. Um, and the key is to be persistent and like have that drive and passion. Cause I go back to Ivy tech and I IEPY and Purdue sometimes to talk to design students. Um, and if I don't see like that drive and passion, then it's really difficult for me to know that they're going to succeed in that industry in any way, shape or form. It's really hard to be like, yeah, this person's got it. Or like they might have some design chops, but if they have like no designer or no like passion for it, or they don't have like that inkling to do it long-term or show that they can do it for, you know, 80 hours a week for the first five years of their career or whatever, um, then it's hard for me to know like that they're going to make it in the industry. Like a lot of designers will quit after three to five years. So, um, yeah, it's, I think that networking was massive. I mean, it's the reason I have my job now as a creative director. Um, one of the first guys I reached out to, um, his name's Daniel Herndon. Um, he's big on Twitter and social, um, a really, uh, great asset that I've used for a number of years. Um, he was one of the first people I reached out early in my career. Um, uh, but he's the COO of my ad agency we're at now. Um, called Matchbook Downtown Indie. And um, I think it was funny that early on, he owned an agency way back when I reached out, went to his offices, had drinks with him that night or something like that. And we've kept in contact ever since. And he's offered me a couple jobs ever since. And I've said no or something. And then uh, this last year, um, he reached out. We were, we were already planning to get drinks. We do it every so often. And uh, he goes, hey, um, and we're three, four, five drinks in. And he was like, Hey, just FYI, we want to offer you a job as the creative director at this agency. And I was like floored because like, it's, I'm not that old. I'm young for a creative director, but it's also like one of those things, like I still see a creative director as those old white haired dudes and mad men. Um, so, I mean, I do have a lot of white hair from the you know aging, but, uh, it's funny that, uh, he reached out and he offered that. I don't think I would have reached, I never would have fought for that creative director role or that title. I think it, it meant a lot more when someone reached out eventually, especially a mentor from that long ago um, and offered it to me as like an opportunity. So um, it's just one of those things that it just came full circle, but that those little tiny networks, that coffee, that email that I sent, all those things add up over a career and they could mean something later. And I can't tell you like that's happened dozens of times in my career. I have thousands of stories where those little tiny moments happen and you're like, like, oh, I was like, who is that? Or it was like, I forgot that that was a kid that I met and now he works as a giant, you know, corporation somewhere and he reached out and now I've worked with that corporation or that company or brand um, as like a freelance opportunity or it became a job opportunity later on. So I think that networking part is just massive when it comes to um, how you sell yourself and how you are open and comfortable to reaching out to people. Um, cause it really doesn't take more than an email or a message or a DM nowadays. So, but yeah. yeah, I mean, just look at us, like just sitting right here. Like we talked about earlier with me reaching out to you, like you just never know what's going to be on the other side of that. I've reached out to a lot of people. Um, I've networked with a lot of people and people you would never even imagine that could help me out in any way, shape or form. You know, it wasn't like I was reaching out to you directly for a logo you know, I'll reach out to a financial planner or a physical therapist or, 
just anyone just be like, Hey, I'm just trying to connect. And they're like, well, I'm not trying to like hire you or anything. Why are you reaching out? And I'm just like, just to connect. Like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to get to know you as a person, see who you are and, you know, see the relationship, how we can both benefit from this relationship. So for anyone, you know, contemplating networking or how to reach out, just reach out to everyone because you never know what's going to be on the other side of that. That's a common theme and seems like in every episode with everyone we talk to is they just almost blindly just sending messages and networking with as many people as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like one of the biggest things I've learned and I still network to this day. I still reach out to big names somewhere. I still reach out to students at schools and uh, I think that's one of the most fun things I just had. uh, I just interviewed for a a student that I had uh, talked to two years ago when he graduated in 2020. And it's, it's so crazy to see where he's at now a couple of years into his career and like where he's at mentally and where his work's at and how it's evolved. And um, I can see him becoming like a big deal years down the road. And it's just, it's so cool to see that with young adults nowadays, uh, especially as a creative that, you know, came into the industry years ago. And um, it wasn't as open of a um, path or career as it is nowadays. Like there's a lot of people that are open to the idea of talking and communicating through social media nowadays. And like back then it was like, Twitter was really new. I mean, I can't even tell you who the the brands were or like the people were, it was all goofy tweets and stuff back in the day. Um, but I used Twitter as like a resource. It was a creative resource. So like I just followed, and that's how social media works. You follow and interact with the things you wanna see and that's where you're gonna get fed. So, and that's kind of how life works. I mean, it's, it's no, different. You just kind of tailor make your life to the people you surround it with and all that stuff. Um, but I use Twitter as like a tool. It was just like follow design people that were inspired me. And then I could flip through that feed and just look at inspiration all day long. Um, and it's funny cause that's not a visual, it wasn't a visual platform. So that's where Instagram came in. And that is another part of the conversation, but that it blew up my career even more, um, just as a visual designer and person that got into photography is, you know, an extra bit into my career path. So. Yeah, that, that's awesome. There's a lot of little nuggets in, in the story that you just shared. And, and uh, you know, just one thing I want to point out is that like, you never know what can happen on the other side of a conversation. Like you said, it may be two years, you know, 10 years, 15, 20 years down the road uh, where an opportunity comes up. But if you didn't reach out 10 years ago, it, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so, you know, just yeah. like, just reach out, like, make, you know, make that ask, um, you know, and another thing you said was like only 10, 20% of people responded. Like, you know, that's okay. You know, at, at that, when you think about it, it, it can just be a numbers game at the same time. Like, okay, if t- only 10% of people are going to respond, then that's one out of 10. And so for every hundred emails I send, I get 10 people to respond, you know, our DMs or whatever it may be. So, um, you know, just keep, keep pushing it, keep trying. And you'll definitely find the people that are open yeah. and the people you're supposed to, to connect with. Um, so, yeah, so let, we, you know, before we hopped on the, the podcast here, him and I were just scrolling your Instagram and, and man, every time we look at it, we're just amazed. We're just amazed by the, the content, the pictures that you have, <laughs> you've produced and you've been doing it consistently for, for years. Um, so, you know, and you had a lot of brand partnerships and whatnot through, through the pictures that you were posting, like, how did you find these opportunities? Is, does it just go back to, to network again? Or how did you get started with photography? Because 
I think you're the best that I've ever seen. I appreciate that. I, uh, it's, it's funny. I'm not a photographer by day and it's, it's, I have a full-time job. So it's funny that I, I think I saw Twitter as like a design platform and I was like, Oh, this is cool. I can talk to designers and chat with them. And then I, then Instagram came along and I was like, Oh, this is cool. And I want to say like my first few photos were like the typical Instagram heavy filters. Like if you scroll back far enough, I want to say I've been on there since gosh, 2014, the start of was when I saw yeah, That's so, as far as I went back. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, 2010 was when I think I got on there. And like the first few photos were like a picture of my nephew, a picture of my yogurt on my desk at work. And like, it's funny how you can like, if you go back that far, you can kind of just watch it progress as you scroll through and like the the style just kind of progressed and like evolved and became more fine tuned. And now it's like, I'm super picky with my post nowadays. I'm starting to get less picky uh, the last few years, but um, I'm still creative with the photos, but that, it's funny, like I'm a designer, so I use photos all the time and I use layout and design and these same principles for photography. And I think it was the iPhone four. So I don't know if you guys can see in the background, but I have a DSM, like disassembled iPhone four, like hanging up behind my head. Um, so it's like a tour torn down. And that was my first iPhone. And that was the first thing that like got me into photography, like heavy. Um, cause it had a great camera. They toted it as this big you know, camera, you know, creators tool or whatever. Um, so I think all those things, then the iPhone four, Instagram coming out, me being a creative early in my career and like all these things just kind of snowballed into this. Um, I could use this tool as photography. And I could use my own photography in my own designs. Like if I had a very specific idea, I knew how to shoot it and then make the product and then put it in there. Um, and it goes hand in hand. I'm able to do that. It's brought me outrageous opportunities over the years, uh, both freelance and in my day job. I am able to art direct photo shoots and video shoots and have this visual direction for any type of situation, whether it's a paint company or a RV brand or a, a chemical plant or a steel mill, you know what I mean? So there's always things that it adds up to, but that photography path was insanity. I think my follower base grew to three or 4,000 maybe early, early on, like real fast on Instagram. And that's when I started doing brand deals. Um, those came in the early days of like influencer marketing when that was not even a term. Uh, content creators wasn't a term. It was just us creators, like just going to town on like brands and working with them and doing cool shit. And like, uh, I want to say some of the first, and I had friends that were, far exceeded my path. Like they were in the half million to a million marks and they were just shooting like crazy big brand deals. And I was just kind of this small guy coming up. Um, but it was fun. Like I've worked with God, I can't even tell you who I've worked with, but it was fun. These experiences, like most of the time, uh, early on, it was like, they would reach out to me like Polaroid or Alaska airlines or, uh, Olympus cameras, like all these things, like, um, just come out of the blue and like these, things just come up and you have to be ready. And it's like that thing where luck and preparation meet where you have all the tools and you know how to react to them to take the opportunity in um, and exceed at it. And then you just have to get lucky sometimes for the brand to find you. Um, but, and then there's the other half where we were just talking about this. It's like uh, you have to kind of be a cold caller. Like I think, for a few years there, I was reaching out to brands. Um, I was shooting out 
just strictly on photography freelance, like making 200 bucks here, 500 bucks here, maybe like a few gigs here and there came in at like $1,500 or 2000. Uh, I did a few for like three to $5,000 range. And then I got a handful where they were like in the 10 K range. And you're like, Holy shit. Like this is a lot of money for just posting a few pictures on social media or like sending them some iPhone photos that I just shot with my, my phone. Um, and I think it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, but that those reach outs, like it's just a, a, a numbers game. I created like a, an email system where I would just write up a general email, reach out to the brands I love to work with. And I think I did it. My, I had to give a lot of credit to my wife, like the business mindset I have, she's an accountant, a CPA full-time. And, um, it's funny that we've been together, let's see, 16 years this year. And, uh, it's, it's funny to see her business mindset, I think has 100% leaked onto me as a creative because not a lot of creatives have that mindset. They have to like kind of grind it out and figure it out as they go. And I have in a, a sense, but like she's always been like that driving force into like making sure it's structured. I think about taxes and I think about expenditures and how much money I'm making, all these things. And like the structure of it all comes from her. And so like this email system came out of the blue and I was like, oh, so her busy season is January, February, March. She's very busy. And so I wouldn't work in those months and I would just cold call and cold email companies during those months in prep for the rest of the year. And so I would cold email like big brands, whether it be, you know, Saucony or um, like Lifewater or like all these like brands that I've worked with, uh, Conrad Hotels downtown. Um so I would reach out to them. And if I saw them kind of blowing up on Instagram or something like that, um, I knew that they were using dollars behind social. So I was like, oh, they have money. They'll spend it on a guy that's going to create con quality content for them. So I kind of had that mindset in like how to reach and who to reach at the right time. Um, but it was a numbers game. I would just sit there and email 20 to 30 companies a week, if not more, for like January, February, March. And I want to say like the open rate was like 70% and the people that reached out was like 30 to 40% of those emails would reach back. And then 10 to 20% would turn into a gig. And I think that first year I shot photos in like 2013, 14 range, maybe, maybe a little bit before that. I want to say I did like 60 photo jobs and they were all for like $200, $500, $100, like and then the next year I did like 25 jobs, but they were all like two to three X what that was for. And then the next year I did like 12 to 15 jobs and they were two X the, the cost of that year before. And then I did like, you know, five to 10 and then five to 10 the next year. And so like I have this sweet spot where I just do like a, a limited number of jobs per year. Cause I obviously have a full-time job. I have kids, I'm married. I mean, it's a, it's a full-time gig doing all that, let alone, you know, trying to drive a freelance business, but, um, I love it. I have a drive for it. I love the business aspect of it. And I think it's like, I mean, call it an addiction if you want, but it's, it's fun. I do this for a living. It, uh, it's kind of helped finance, you know, family vacations, uh, home updates, whatever you want. Like it's helped, you know, do the things that I want to do is in the life I want. So it's, it's been a blast. Incredible. Seriously. Incredible. Take us through what reaching out to these brands, like after you reach out, they get back with you and they're like, okay, it's, it's, it's in like, we want, we want to hire you. What does that look like? They like sock and for instance, they just send you free shoes. You take pictures, send it back. What, uh, what does that process look like? 
Oh man. Yeah. Saucony is a funny one. Uh, that was one out of the blue. Um, the lady that ran their marketing department, um, she was, um, gosh, I want to say, I think it was like two or three years before she worked at Saucony. She worked at another, like she just followed me on social. Like she just liked my work from photography. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. Um, I, I think she reached out like as she worked there or something. And she was like, oh, I've been following you for a couple years. Um, I work at Saucony now. Um, we'd like to send you and put you in touch with like our department and put you on this program for like a creator's market. I was like, oh, that sounds great. Like whatever that means. I don't know what that means. Like, sure. Like I'm, I'll sign up. I was like, I, I was getting ready to run like the mini or something like that. So I was like already in training. So I was like, oh, cool. Like send me some free gear or whatever, like a pair of shoes or something. This is like early on in those influencer days. So she was like really ahead of the game. Um, and it's funny that she sends me, I get this box uh, in the mail and I was like, oh, it's from Sakani. Cool. I was like, I'll check it out. And I opened the box. It had like, I want to say three pairs of shoes. It had like two or three pairs of shorts, a couple of t-shirts. It had like a bunch of stickers and a water bottle and like a full blown, like running runner's gear, like setup. Uh, cause I'm a runner by nature. I, and then I also play ultimate Frisbee. And so I was like, holy shit, like this is a lot of stuff. And I was like, this is kind of a cool, like I would have already bought a pair of shoes and running gear and like all this stuff. So I was like, I posted it on stories and Instagram and like all this stuff. And I made it fun. It made my training for the marathon, like working out more fun. And then like, I think like five weeks later, I got another box and it was another three pairs of shoes and another full set of clothes. And like, it was a lot. I still have some of the clothes today. And it's like, this is years ago. And so, and then like, a, like four weeks later, I got another box and then like another box. And like, I just kept, I was like on this program where they just kept sending me gear like left and right. So I ended up just like gifting all this shit at Christmas uh, to like, it was like do like a friend Christmas every year. So it was always funny that every time I come over for friend Christmas, I have like these random things that I just give away at Christmas. And it's just like things that people send to me through these brand deals. And I think that's all, that was like, that was also a driving force. Like I'll do something cause it's fun or it's a cool opportunity, but sometimes, uh, sneakily I'll do it strictly to fund my friend Christmas every year. So I don't know if any brands know that, but <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm so just captivated by the stories that you have, just like how you got, you know, all of these opportunities, like, <laughs> Was there ever an, uh, an opportunity that came to you that you didn't feel ready for that you kind of felt like an imposter uh, of? Because you've done some shoots and some some deals with some pretty, I mean, you know, mainstream large companies like we saw, you know, McDonald's or you took pictures for college football or, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, was there ever a time where you're like, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but you said yes anyway and jumped in? Yeah, many times. Uh, I think that that term imposter syndrome is a, a big one for designers um, or any small creator, you know, whatever. Like, I think any young adult for sure, um, especially in my case, taking on a creative director role full time and like leading a team and like directing people and like helping manage a team of creatives and making sure things are on time and under budget and visually stunning and can one make the client money? I think that that was like the most recent thing I can think of. Um, and that's a massive one. Cause that's part of my full-time job. Um, and it's always been uh, a scary thing to take on anything, but I want to know like the first 
thing I think was uh, for a, another shoe brand. Funny enough, it was a pair of God. What was the brand called? I think it was Crevo. It was owned by Wolverine Shoes, like the big corporation Wolverine Shoes. And um, they sent me a. It was part of this like social. Uh, it's funny. I just got an email from them. Uh, it was like an app called Popular Pays. And they're based out of Chicago and I do consulting with them. Um, but the way it worked years ago, they would send you or you would like flip through their app and you would see a brand deal and you'd be like, oh, I want to do that. But it was strictly one for one. You would post one photo on Instagram for one free thing. And it was like a pair of boots. And so uh, I used that as like my end to this company because they were like, oh, shoot, like this, sh this photo you got of these boots is like incredible. I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I wanted to go for it. I wanted, like, it was a free pair of boots. I was already buying them. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and just shoot them how I think it would look good for the brand. And so I reached out to their um, marketing director and I said, uh, I sent this whole thing like this. I made up this packaging deal, like small, medium, large McDonald's style, if you will. And like I said, hey, small spies, like it's going to be 500 bucks or a la carte, $100 per post or something like that for X amount of posts, that was the small package. And then the medium package was like 1500 bucks. Uh, and then the large package was like $2,500. And it was like, you get 25 images or 50 images and like you get them in so many days or whatever, you send me the gear. And that was probably one of the biggest ones that I did where they got back to me and the guy's like, yeah, we'll hire you for our fall campaign. And I was like, I was like, I, I'm not like a fashion photographer or anything like that. So. <laughs> I get these shoes and I say yes to this deal. I signed contracts. I made up my own contracts. I like, I drew it all up, sent it all out. I want to say it was like 3,500 or five grand per shoot. And I did like three of them, I think over like the fall, spring and summer of that next year. And so it was like 15, 20, like 15, 20 grand or something over like a year of just extra money that I did for these shoe, the shoe brand. But like, um, and it's so funny that I, uh, went through that. And I was like, Oh my God, did I just like take on way more than I could do? And I was like, it's funny that I think about it now. And I go back and I'm like, I think I came up with it all pretty well. It was like, I came up with the documents, the contracts, everything to have them sign and send back to me. I still have it all filed on my computer somewhere. And it's funny that, uh, they like gave me all this money, but I got this huge box in the mail. And it was uh, all of their shoes for their spring or like their fall line. So it was all these boots and they were all size nine or eight. I think they're size eight men's shoes. So I couldn't wear them or model them. So I was like, I had to find a model that had size eight men's shoes because they had like sample sizes because they have to buy them or make them in the sample sizes small enough. So they didn't waste material before they mass produced them. So I get this huge box and it's literally the size of a coffin. And it's just like, I smashed it into the trunk of my car. It had like 40 pairs of shoes in it. And so I smashed it in the trunk of my car. And at the time I was commuting to uh, my work, to my house. And it was a solid commute. It was like, uh, like 45 minutes or something crazy. Um, and so on those commutes, I would just stop at sunrise or sunset on the way or on the way home or to work. And I would shoot the boots on the side of a road or on a fence or an old barn or like a cityscape or like whatever the backdrop, but if you scroll back, you'll find them. They still use those photos today from like seven years ago. Um, but it's funny, like, that's how I got into that. And I was like, dude, am I doing this? Like, what the fuck did I get into? And like, was it too much? Did I go into this like way too far? 
but like it was funny like i always like consulted with the wife was like do you think this is like way too much at the time it was like is it it was like it's like five grand or like four grand or something like that that was like charging per shoot and i was just like throwing them in the trunk of my car and driving around with these shoes in indiana like <laughs> taking pictures of them on like because if they were like a rugged boot they'd i'd put them on like a fence post or something that i saw or like it'd be sunset and i was like oh this is great golden hour so i was like i think i can get a good shot over here and like it, I would take a different route every day to work. And it got me into that. Like early on, my photography was just a bunch of sunsets and sunrises. And it was like great because I, I could scout these locations out and find new ones all the time. And it was just so funny. But like I charged so much for it. And but they were a huge company and they were startup and they did a bunch of social media stuff. And they still use my photos until I think last year. So it's so funny that that was a big one. Like that imposter syndrome leaks in all the time, especially in my day-to-day job. And, um, but especially with the photography, because like, if you don't have that business mindset or that business, like, I think it's that the luck and preparation, knowing how to just figure out what kind of contracts look like, what would be a good template that I could use? Like, how do I do it in this order? And now it's funny because I'm consulting with photographers in the city that do it full-time. They like full-time photographers. I'm consulting with them on how to run their business. And I'm like, I'm not a full-time photographer, guys. So I was like, I will help you like do what I did like five, 10 years ago. But it's funny that like creatives are good at doing creative. Like they're good at creating. And it's one of those things where I always tell students early on, or especially photography students in colleges and stuff, um, take more business classes, take more marketing classes. Like I think schools are now getting more involved with that. I was on the the board at Ivy Tech, which is my alumni. So like um, going back and like giving feedback and like what I think they should be doing with the programs. And I always suggested more marketing or more business style classes to like help them like immediately get out of school and help do freelance or do whatever they want to do. So yeah, it's wild. But that, that Crevo Boots is hilarious. I, that guy, that that was definitely one of the first ones I got into. But there's tons of stories. Like if you go to my website and like look at all the brands I've worked with, there's a hilarious story behind almost every one of them. So, <laughs> all right. So, what's your favorite story then? Oh Jesus, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I don't know. I think the I think the Saucony one's pretty funny because it was a girl that like that just like followed me out of the blue. She was, um, I mean, I'll call her out. Her name's Tracy. Uh, she works for, uh, what's funny is like she left Saucony and now she works for a uh, fitness company called Roll Recovery. Um, I don't have it on me, but they make like foam rollers and like for runners and like they make like foot ones and like this, I have it up in my room. It's like next to my bed. I use it like daily. Uh, so she'll love that. But they're an incredible brand and I got to shoot with them like super early on uh, as they were getting their startup and like getting their products out and um it's funny that I use them every day and I still give her a shout out every time I'm on a podcast or talking on a blog or something like that, because she just followed me out of the blue and it's fun to like have those connections and that networking, but it all started with, she saw my work on social, loved it and hired me through Saucony. And then she went to the next company and hired me there. I think that's one of the cool things with any marketing job is like you have these connections and you make these relationships with people and they remember you. And like, I, absolutely love that about how that worked and like that relationship and like she's given me the opportunity at like multiple avenues and different places and it's uh it's really neat so i love that stuff that's awesome so you uh you obviously had the imposter syndrome you said with charging you know 
five grand for the shoot for the Wolverine boots. Um, I'm sure you've have now, you know, charged much more for your work. Do you still get that, that feeling whenever your brand reaches out and you're quoting them much more now than five grand? Do you still have that feeling? Or are you just like, here it is, take it or leave it. Do you have more confidence now? I think I do have a little bit more confidence or cockiness, if you will. Like, it's just like that mindset of like, I don't need, like, I have a full-time job. I, I work, I have that. And I think that's the funny thing when I go back to talk to students, like, I think there's this negative connotation around like having a full-time job and like working um, a gig and not being able to go full-time into something. I think there is a type of person and I think I could be that type of person. I think I could go full-time freelance and just hammer it hard and go crazy with it. Um, but I think the it's a very lonely path. I think there's that freelance world is very quiet. It's very like you meet a lot of people, but it's it's not quite the same as like a full-time. I think agency world that I work in and I love um, is the most infectious because you're with like-minded people all day long. There's writers, there's creatives, there's directors, there's accounts people and you see like this inner workings of like a typical business but at like a more refined stage and so it's always been interesting um to be at those places and be around you know very i want to say like they're very infectious it's like they're very driven people in the creative arts and like market so it's kind of fun to be around those people and i feed off of it so it's it's one of those things where i've always appreciated it and i kind of see the value in it um but um yeah, it's hard, like the imposter syndrome thing and like trying to see where I see preparation and like all that luck and all that stuff comes into play. Um, I don't know what your original question is, but I'm kind of rattling here. But I think it's an interesting thing to look at it as like, I don't know if it's the confidence I think comes over time. I think it comes with repetition, like the more emails I send, the more contracts I sign. And then I also don't have to, having this full-time job, I don't have to rely on those side jobs. So I have a little bit more freedom to be like, hey, yeah, it's going to be five grand. Here's my listings or whatever. And if I, if the combination of like, I want to work with this brand because I love this brand and the combination of the money's pretty good or the connection's really good, like if those things play into it and I really want to work with the brand, I may take a pay cut in it because it's such a cool opportunity or it's a nice little portfolio stuffer. Um, it's it's just one of those things where you kind of ride this fine line where I'm lucky that I have a full-time gig. I've always appreciated it because I have this passion for what I love to do and I do it daily and I work in it full-time, but I also can scratch that itch well outside that realm and I can do this over here, but I'm a little bit more selective with it. I can be choosy with it, if you will, but um, I still, t I mean, that's what's fun is like I took on that job with Matt. I was like, this just sounds like a fun opportunity to do another brand. And like, I wasn't doing a lot of brand work at the time. I was like, this just sounds like something I can fill in my creative itch and kind of do something cool for somebody else. So. It's crazy. Your um, Instagram just scrolling back all the way 2014. I mean, I was just in all of all the pictures, but it is, like you said, you can see how you've developed as a photographer as a creator, I mean, drone shots coming into plays, um, all this different stuff. I think my favorite, though, is watching Crosby grow up and seeing the uh, baseball shots from little kid to getting older, getting older. And you talking about, I saw one post, 
He talks about how you don't even like baseball. You have a ton of baseball shots on your Instagram. Yeah, I, it's funny that I, it, I'll, I'll joke with that or I'll joke about that forever. Like, I think it's like, I have never been a baseball person. It's never been an attractive sport in any way, shape or form. It's probably the least, like, it's so boring to watch on TV, but like, then you get out to a baseball game and you kind of start to understand the rules, even though they're outrageous. And like, they're so like, fine-tuned. like I want to say. I learned more about baseball in my son's first travel league last year than I had ever learned. And there's just, there's also weird rules with like eight year, eight U travel baseball versus, you know, little league or whatever. So we got him into travel baseball last year. And it's, I mean, it's so much fun, like being able to have those experiences and like take those photos. And there's one in particular where he's like screaming and like, he's such a, a motivated kid he's like infectious around other kids so if they're motivated he heightens it and like if they get more heightened he tries to go even higher than that but if they're down low and they're like they're in the dumps he's in the dumps. so it's like it's one of those things he needs that that drive that passion for it and like but he's like such an old soul like he will sit down and watch a full baseball game and he's been like that since he was like two and so like that's been like his sport since he was two years old so we got him in there when he was like two two and a half um so it's been a blast to like watch him love it and he wants to be in the yard every day or down in the basement cracking balls into the net or whatever like he just recently asked me about working out because i just we finished our basement downstairs and uh i it made me think of you guys how young you were when you started working out and i was like shoot i was like is nine like way too old to be like getting into that much heavy into fitness because he's in two sports now and i was like god does he need to work out on top of conditioning and practices and sports and it made me think of you guys, which is hilarious. But we set up the weight equipment after the basement was finished. I was like, finally, I can start working out after the last couple months of them like working on the basement. So we have like a full rack and he's like watching me put all the weights up. And he was like, you think we can work out? And so I, I showed him a couple moves or whatever, just like with dumbbells. And then I went back upstairs and then I was like doing the dishes or something. He comes back up, he goes, he's like out of breath. He's like, yeah, that was hard. I was like, have you been doing those the whole time? He was like, yeah, I was just like kind of doing like five or 10 at a time and then like taking a break. Then doing five or ten more, it was so funny, but yeah, he's getting it's after it. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like once he sees the competition, and I'm I'm kind of the same way. If I see the competition or the drive, like I'll get after it a lot harder. I think we're very similar in that way. But dude, it was so much fun watching him play baseball and like living vicariously through him because I didn't play sports growing up. Um, we, uh, my mom was like, "Oh no, you can't. You're gonna get hurt. We don't have the, you know, we can't pay for medical bills left and right." But like in reality, they just couldn't afford like the sports in Zionsville, like the how expensive they were to play sports. So I was like, I was like, I understood it then. I think I ran cross country for a year or two, and then I picked up frisbee that same year. Um, and so I played ultimate frisbee for I think I'm going on like year 19, 20. I think I was in seventh grade maybe. So I've been playing pickup every week since then. Um, so it's fun. Like now Crosby's asking about frisbee and like. It's, he's not quite at the age where he can be competitive with our pickup games, but we might invite, you know, I've had him out there and he's played with some of the pros here in town, which is fun. Um, and so he gets kind of, gets that flavor of like, he's got a great throw. He's got a great flick. I don't know if Matt knows that term, but he's got a great forehand and he's got, you know, it's, it's great, man. Mine's um, no good. I, I love that sport. I just, it's a blast. Like I can't wait for Crosby to get a little bit older and like him get, uh, get to come out to like ultimate with me on, you know, on the pickup nights and stuff like that. So it's, it's so much fun to see him playing and getting into sports and like, 
especially stuff that I don't know anything about. Cause I'm learning, I'm watching baseball and like, I'm getting into it. And like, it's funny. Like they talk about getting angry, like getting emotional about baseball and all this crap. And I've always seen the movies and the cliches and shit like that. And then uh, he was in, they, to preface this, they played like 32 games this year. And I want to say they won two. I think they went two and 29 or two and 21 or something or 28 or something like that. And then it wasn't until like the very end when they did kid pitch, they transformed the last two weekends of the tournaments or whatever into kid pitch. And all those games went almost the full time or overtime or like extra innings. And it was so funny to like see how much more like fast pace it was because they could steal bases and they could like do things a lot more often. And so they got more excited. Crosby got more excited. I got some great shots from that, but it's fun to like look back at those photos and like see how like crazy their faces looked or how like amped up they were in those photos from those, uh, those, those last tournaments because they were so excited from it. But yeah, it's so much fun. Like getting able to take those pictures and like, um, and, uh, and getting those moments and like being able to share those and like, heck we have pictures of Crosby when he was like two years old, three years old on baseball fields. Cause my wife's uncle was the D one coach at university of Dayton for like 20 plus years. And so that's where he got his first taste of like getting to go out to the dugouts, going out to the games, meeting all the guys in the dugouts. He still follows those guys in the pros and he still sees that like them on TV and those that are players or he follows them through college and stuff. So it's so much fun. Wow. That, that's amazing. I, I can just tell how much that you love your family and that you love being able to, to be a part of that with him, even though that wasn't something that, you know, is near and dear to you. you, you have now taken an interest in that. And, and that's awesome to hear. And it's also funny to hear you talk about baseball because <laughs> Matt yeah, and I, big, yeah. we, we were baseball guys. That was our thing. We loved baseball growing up, you know, all about it. Uh, so, so that's hilarious, but it sounds like he gets his initiative or responsibility for his improvement from, from his dad. Just listening to your story of how you, you know, you took control of your growth and your path and, and took the initiative and reaching out to these companies and everything that you've done, you know, professionally, sounds like he's getting that from you taking that into the gym now. No, it's a hundred percent from his wife. She's the workout <laughs> and she's uh, the big fitness and the health nut and she does all the things. She's very driven far more than I am. So, uh, it's, it's funny that we both have that, that same quality, but it's, it's amazing to watch it transfer to your kids and like, see how much of that comes from my wife and how much of that comes from me. And, you know, all those things combined into a, a little one like that. And, um, yeah, it's so much fun. Like seeing that passion, like I've been able to like work with, um, some of these hotel brands and stuff, and I've gotten to bring Crosby along and do these things. And, um, it's always fun to like, I don't, I think he might be able to say what I do for a living. My daughter has no clue what I do for a living, but she's six and my son's nine. And he's like, he kind of understands what it is. He's into art and creative and all these things. And so it's fun to like see him being into it. Um, but yeah, it's funny that they have no clue what I do for a living, but, uh, they can kind of see that passion and drive hopefully through me and my wife and what we do and how we kind of excel in those areas and how we can kind of drive them with those, those same traits. So. Absolutely. What would you say is your favorite thing about, I was going to say, what is your favorite thing about being a dad? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, favorite thing about being a dad. I think it's, it's just those simple things like just living vicariously through the kids. Like, 
um, with my daughter, she's like very rambunctious and she asks a lot of questions. She's talking all the time. She's very physical. She's always like touching on you. And it's so fun to like see her personality through all that and like the questions she has. And like, she has like the most amazing like mind when it comes to what she's thinking about and how she breaks things down. You can like see her, the wheels spinning. And then my son is like identical to how I was when I was younger. Cause I was like that little entrepreneur that, um, I was at school and I remember like, uh, making bracelets at recess, but it was to sell them to make money. It wasn't just to be like a dork and like make bracelets. It was to make money. <laughs> and like then, uh, and then like another buddy of mine, we drew comics and then we like, we drew these comics out and then we sold them for like five bucks at lunch or something like that. So it was funny. Like he's got that same mindset where he's like, he might be upstairs, like feverishly drawing comics or drawings. And then he'll go straight back outside and crack a bunch of baseballs into the net. And he'll come back inside and he'll watch a movie for a little bit or watch a game. Then he'll go back out and watch YouTube and highlight videos of whatever, like, uh, he's playing football now. So he's watching like Kenny Moore break down like defensive plays. Cause he's playing safety and cornerback. And he's like watching the same people to see how he can break it down. And it's like so much fun to see that same personality kind of break through, um, and like the same traits and stuff like that. But it, I mean, I think it's just living vicariously through them and like seeing how, how they see the world and how their like personalities are just like evolving over the years. And like, they're at such fun ages now um, at six and nine that they're pretty self-sufficient. They know how to, you know, do all these things, but at the same time, they still have so many questions about like breaking things down and how things work or why did you go this way instead of that way when you're going somewhere or uh, like, why did you say that when you were on the phone with so-and-so, but or some, it's just so funny that like how they break stuff down and how their brains work. So it's a blast. Last thing I got to wrap up here, we've been going on an hour, but, um, you were talking about earlier about how you were jumping out of the car to take pictures of these boots. And I know you still jump out of the car to take pictures of random stuff all the time because you post about it a lot. But um, give us your favorite story behind a photo. I know you had the one on the frozen lake that you'd been waiting years to get. Um, favorite story behind whatever your, I guess, favorite photo is. Oh, man. Favorite. I don't know. Um, God, there's a lot. Um, I'm trying to think back. Like, I've worked with some crazy companies, like drone companies that <laughs> sent me a drone. I didn't know how to fly it. And it was like... <laughs> huge and i just shot it straight i literally took it out of the box and shot it straight in the air i had no idea how to fly it or land it and so um but there's like things like that but i think one that like sticks out big time is uh there was i worked with a lot of hotels like high-end hotels so when i got into like the commercial side of things where i could shoot for like bigger budgets and like bigger brands i was like okay the commercial side is where all the money's at it's not with weddings and like family photo shoots you're not going to make massive money unless you're full time in it, making 50 bucks a shot. Um, and so I think those, those high end hotels. So one of the funniest, hilarious stories I have, and it connects to my son, like when he was really young, um, the, um, so I shot for the Conrad downtown and I was like, Oh, I got a free hotel stay and I shot some photos for them. And then I said, Hey, let's do a meetup. And like, so all these things start to snowball with these high end hotels. So I was like, oh, I'll just use that email idea that I had earlier. I'll reach out to other hotels and I'll use the photos from the Conrad as my promotional piece. Like, hey, I can shoot these photos. And so I reached out to a bunch in Chicago 
and I planned an entire weekend uh, with a like a stay plus like I think I got paid like $1,500 or something like that to go shoot this hotel. It wasn't very much of the money at the time, especially for like shooting a big hotel, but it was called the Peninsula in Chicago. And usually I do my research. I try to like scout out like locations in the hotel or I ask questions about it. I didn't do any research. It was Father's Day weekend. I brought my son and his godfather, my friend um, Kyle. And we went up there for like two or three days. So we stayed, I think two or three nights. I can't remember. I think it was two nights. And so the Peninsula is a very high-end hotel. I didn't know this until I got to the hotel. And as we pulled up, they had like a roundabout with parking and like a bunch of Mercedes and like high-end cars lined up on the outskirts. And uh, we stay there and we go inside. They pay me 1500 bucks. And then they said, the room was nice, blah, blah, blah. They'll, they'll get you, we'll set you up with everything. So we go into this room and my son's with me. He's, I think four at the time, three or four. And, um, so we get into the room and it's like, I think 1500, 1600 square feet. So it's like bigger than the house I lived in. And so I get to this hotel room and it was like, I think it was 2200 a night or $2,400 a night. Um, and so we stayed there for two nights and we get up there and I was like, oh my God, this thing is like, this is a really nice hotel. And I kind of just, I wasn't thinking that I would have to take better photos because I had my son and my buddy with me. And so I was like, shoot. I was like, so I made this whole weekend out of it. I sold the brand on this idea that I'm going to shoot around for the weekend, go through the stories and just do stories of us hanging out. We went to the Cubs game and like did all these things. But the funniest thing is my son walking in there and like he still remembers to this day the detail of that room at like three or four years old. And he's like, oh, yeah, you remember that room? And it's like this long, skinny hallway of hotels when you walk into them that are like big suites. And you go into the living room and one of the things that they promoted for or what I had to promote was like uh, this kid's experience. And so it was an extra $400 a night for this kid's experience. So we walk in, there's a TP set up and there's a little bear with his name embroidered on it. And like all there's cakes and cookie and like treats all over the room and desserts and all these things. And they had Godfather's Day weekend written on it because it was uh, my godfather or my son's godfather and me and his Father's Day weekend. So they just put Godfather's Day weekend on the cake. And then I was like, oh my God, this is intense. And my son's like through the moon. He thinks it's the coolest thing. He can see out the window and see all the Chicago Cubs stuff everywhere. And like, you know, he's like all into it. And then we uh, we're like all weekend. We're like seeing this production crew running around the hotel. And like they had these like W's on their hats. And I was like looking at them thinking, who the hell are these people? I, was, I know I've seen this logo. And we had talked to some of them in the lobby throughout the weekend. And like we get ready to check out. We're going to the Cubs game. We're in the lobby. My, my son, my son's very subdued. He's very like serious. And he still remembers this, which is hilarious. It's funny to hear him tell the story. And he still has this mindset. Every hotel should be like that. And it's not. Yeah. So he's like, still thinks he's like, where's the rest of the room when we go to like a basic room somewhere. But uh, we get down to the lobby and we're standing there and my son's standing like between like to my right. And, uh, and then this guy, like there's kids running all like five or six kids just screaming in the lobby. Like, I mean, it's not supposed to be this loud in this lobby. And like everybody's wearing super nice clothes, like nobody's wearing jeans like I am. And uh, this guy stands up next to me and uh, he looks down at Cross and he looks over to me and we both like nod like it's Father's Day weekend. Like this kid, like the kids are obviously his, like irritating the shit out of him. And it's Mark Wahlberg and he's like waiting for his car ride to show up. And so he's there with his production crew Wahlbergers for like the whole show that they're filming and like 
and we don't say a word. I didn't say anything to him. I just looked over and he's like obviously tired and irritated by the kids screaming and running. And he just, we both like nod to each other and like look at each other. And then we look forward and like Crosby's like all serious. And like, he looks up at the guy or whatever and he sees him. And then he jumps in his giant black Escalade of like cars and they drive off with everybody. And I was like, oh my God, that was hilarious to like see that, like have my son experience it all. And like, uh, he still remembers all those details from that whole weekend with the Cubs and like baseball and the hotel. And like, he kind of vaguely remembers Mark Wahlberg from the movies. Cause I was like, do you know who that was? He was like, yeah, he looked kind of familiar. And I was like, it's so funny to like think how he remembers things and the details that he remembers and the stuff that I remember. But it's always a blast to like do stuff like that and run into those experiences. And now I'm getting to share them with the kids. And like, it's, it's even better. It's like, it's so much fun to see how they react to it all. I can't believe you didn't say anything to him. Not a word. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was so funny that like we just, <laughs> yeah, not a word. It was just so funny that he looked like exhausted and tired. And I just like looked at him immediately kind of processed who it was. And I was like, oh yeah, he looks tired as fuck. I was like, and we just nodded and he like looked back forward and he like kind of tried to wrangle the kids and then they just got, got in the car as fast as they could. It was so funny. But, yeah. Dude, you have the coolest stories. The story, yeah, the, it's funny. Like the stories just kind of add up as like, I go back and I think about them and it's funny, like the one thing leads to the next and you kind of just like, you kind of prepare yourself for what you could get into and the projects you work on and like the companies that may reach out or the opportunities that come and you just kind of got to be prepared to react and kind of go with it. So it's wild. It's been a wild career. Good for you. Good for you. You deserve <laughs> it. You're a good dude too. Uh, man, you just have the coolest stories. We could, we could go on and on and like we could listen to all the stories you have. I'm sure there's so many more. I'll but, come back uh, at episode 100. There we go. Yes. We go. Episode 100. It'll be there. It'll be there soon too. Um, yeah, man. Just, yeah. Thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy. You know, you got a lot going on. You got a family. So just thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, you know, it's it's been awesome just to be able to connect with you and, and hear your story and hear your journey and, um, and how you've been a part of, you know, my brother's journey and, and we're seeing what will unfold with that. So yeah, that's, I just want to thank you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys. I appreciate, I mean, this is awesome. Like watching Matt go through the whole logo and like him wanting to build this thing. It's awesome. I freaking love it. And it, you guys starting the podcast and me having done one myself and then help produce another one. And like, it's, I love it. Like seeing people do podcasts is like my favorite thing in the world. So it's, it's just fun to watch those conversations and I can't wait to see the next one. So I've listened to the first two, so I need to catch up on the rest. Nice. Nice. I appreciate it. We're gonna have to consult with you to improve ours then. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Hurry up. guys. Come on. I consult with you for everything. Yeah, I get a text every other day from this guy, so it, keep it coming, man. <laughs> no, I, I truly appreciate all your help. Again, this logo really did life change my life, so I appreciate you. And how can anyone listening follow you? Send them over to your Instagram. Where where do you want them to go find you at? Uh, yeah, just find me on Instagram, man. That's the best place to go. You can DM me pretty quick, so it's just at Andrew Griswold. That's it. Here we go. Everyone definitely go follow this guy. Check out his amazing, I mean, just black hole abyss of incredible <laughs> Instagram photos. It just is ongoing. Um, but yeah, go check this guy out. Give him a follow. Appreciate you guys for listening.